0: one the bulls are going to focus on the microsoft report the bears are going to focus on the google report right now the bears have the edge we'll talk about those earnings reports much more the etf etf effect caused by that We got a guest we haven't had on in a long time. Greg Weldon from Weldon Online, former floor trader. He's going to come on and give Dennis and Mitch some more fodder. It's Wednesday. It's going to be a wacky one. Let's get things started on
1: coming to you live from downtown detroit this is benzinga's pre-market prep with your host joel conan this is a volatile puppy here isn't it and dennis did. i've been a penny i'd buy that stock for a penny with everything you need to start your trading day
0: Welcome, traders, investors, to this Wednesday's edition of pre market prep. We don't want to see SNAP. We want to see the SP futures down 11 and a quarter handles. Couldn't spend much time above the close, and we couldn't take out yesterday's low. Down 10 and a half handles at 42.60.50. Buck having another good day trying to clear the highs from the last few sessions. Take a look at the dollar chart. Bonds, I mean down six thirty seconds after a three-day winning streak. You got to be happy about that. Crude up twenty-eight cents at eighty-four oh three. Gold, gold flat, nineteen eighty-six ten. Silver a little bit weaker. That's down seventeen cents at twenty-two ninety-four and a half. And Bitcoin futures, they're are up again, $530, 34375 So, Dennis, you must, must have had some fun in the uh, after hours there. Uh,
2: Wild. Microsoft
0: come, but does Microsoft always come out at like 401 and right away? I no, mean, it's, not always. No? They, they no. can sometimes
2: be later, but they both hit, bang, bang, Microsoft, Google. Yeah. Like they hit within... I feel like within a minute of each other, it was really wild. And obviously, you know, we got the big pop in the S&P on Microsoft. If you see, you know, we rallied up 20 handles instantaneously. Yeah. And that was great. Right on. You know, like you said, it came out of 401. And then Google came. I feel like it was like a minute later. And then what do they do? It was a minute later. And what do they do? They take Google down. Pretty much the same amount they're taking Microsoft up just to make up for the difference. So then the S&Ps are like, oh, we better turn around and start going down, which is exactly what they did. So, I mean, this market <laughs> just finds it's, it's very hard for two mega cap stocks of size of Microsoft and Google to both go up. So as soon as Microsoft blew it away. Google was going to have to do something special, and they really mm-hmm. didn't. You know, we're going to bring Money Mitch in here, and we'll obviously talk about the individual reports. It is Earnings Day Money Mitch. If you're hiding in the background, please come in here as well. Um, yeah, Microsoft Earnings, pretty good. Google Earnings, they have fine reasons to sell it. And they, again, you know, they weren't great because obviously some growth slowing growth in there. But if you want to jump into the details, we could tackle both these stocks together.
1: Let's get right to it. Let's go to the numbers here. And of course, uh, it's going to be a lot based on the cloud numbers. But that's what I would say to pay attention in both reports. Right. Microsoft's EPS here, $2.99 beats a $2.50 estimate. Sales of $56.52 billion beat the $51.4 billion estimate. Microsoft said they saw Q2 intelligent cloud revenue at $25.1 billion to $25.4 billion. Uh, They said they see Q2 more personal computing revenues of $16.5 to $16.9 billion. Uh, The intelligent cloud segment produced 24.26 billion in revenue, up 19% above the 23.49 billion consensus. Azure jumped about 29% during the quarter, higher than 26% consensus here. And just to mention, of course, OpenAI also now has 18,000 customers, up from 11,000 customers. In July. So actually showing me some numbers there on AI, not much revenue, but at least customers joining there, right? Um, Alphabet coming in here, Q3 EPS at $1.55 beats the $1.45 estimate. Sales of 76.69 billion beat the 75.94 billion estimate. Their Google revenue services at 67.99 billion beat the estimate there. Uh, Google advertising revenue beat estimates. Uh, YouTube ad revenues also beating estimates where they struggled, right? Google disappointed on Google cloud revenues, which were at 8.41 billion and missed the estimate of 8.6 billion. Of course, this is, if you look at the over year over year number, this isn't that bad. Despite, of course, it was at 6.9 billion a year ago. Um, So overall, uh, everyone's saying that those Google cloud numbers is really what was focused on. But I, I would also state, I mean, compared to a year ago, they're still gaining. So much to digest
2: there. Maybe we shouldn't have tackled these together. But I hey, like hey, you asked for it. it. You asked well, for because it. because the relationship is so strong, meaning that these are, you know, two of obviously the Magnificent Seven, two stocks that have held up the entire market. And I mean, Microsoft will just start there. They were doing some really heavy lifting last night, Joel, because mm-hmm. the stocks wanted to go down. And I mean, if you see the S&Ps, we did pop 20 handles on that initial Microsoft print. Then we we're waiting patiently for the guidance. And, you know, I'm looking at the SP trading red and I'm like, what happens if Microsoft warns that we're going to really be red? Well, Microsoft actually guided higher. And you can see uh, around just after six o'clock, the big spike up, up yeah, to there you go. $350. That yeah. was on the guidance. And then for whatever reason, they pulled the rug. Brought it all the way down to like 338. Mm-hmm. So it was a wild candle on that guidance. So, and then it just kind of meandered and stayed in the same spot. So I think everything was pretty good with the Microsoft quarter. Like, very good. Again, it may be buyer exhaustion. I don't know what it is. Why? You know, um, but again, the stock's holding up fairly well, 14 points. Mm-hmm. So can't argue with Microsoft. It pulled a Netflix, kind of blew it away. Stock's up, should be up on those numbers. The concern here is really the S&P. And you can blame Google for it and say, well, Google knocked it back down. Um, And and that is the case. I mean, if Google would have not reported, I think the S&P would be higher. But, you know, you you look under the hood here and there's a lot of other damage in other sectors again here this morning. So tech in itself, despite the Microsoft huge beat, is taking the lead from Google. Um, For whatever reason, this market is focusing on Google's uh not so great quarter instead of Microsoft.
0: Mm-hmm. Man, this is uh I I think just you have to throw out the high and throw out the low in this, at least for right now. Getting over 350. You know, that was if you were able to catch that. Don't know if we're gonna get there in the regular session. Uh this number we're pretty close to it right now. I'll use 345. There was one daily high in that area, it fills a gap also for uh from july 25th so above that as you can see you know on the dailies it's pretty wide open so i keep an eye on 345 and then on the downside here and i'm, I'm being pretty tight after a big range it looks like someone's been supporting the stock at like the 34150 area so mm-hmm. if you lose that or if the s ps you know start on a, a you know a big downturn i, I take a look at that. So it's messy. I mean, it consolidated before the report and had both a pop and drop. Uh, Google is, uh, uh, you know, the street was leaning the wrong way into the report. And here's the gap from the, uh, you know, from the last earnings report. Uh, And it hasn't got to 127 yet. So I think that's where your support is. And as far as resistance goes, I mean, you could, it might be a while before you see the uh, the bottom of uh, yesterday's range at 138.75.
2: They absolutely needed to blow it away because Google being only 10 points off its all-time high. yeah, it's it one of close. the most resilient stocks that we have in this market. There are very few stocks in this market that are within you know 10 of their yep. all-time high and yep. it's the, mainly the mega caps and that's why the overall market is within 10 percent. i believe right. the s&p is still within 10 of its all-time high close if not now uh, in about 15 off but i uh google just i mean it had to blow it away and you know they didn't you know obviously in the numbers and the growth slowing a little bit you know in certain areas there in the cloud revenue so that's that's why the stock is trading down but then let's move away from the two mega cap tech stocks here and we go to the semis here and texas instruments not helping us here either TXN here money mitch jumping over just staying with the tech theme just for a minute we know we got a lot of other reports here too but i want to get the texas instruments report here in here as well
1: all right, for Texas Instruments, Gap EPS at $1.85, sales at 4.53 billion, missed the 4.57 billion estimate. They do see Q4 revenue at 3.93 billion to 4.27 billion versus a 4.49 billion estimate. Uh and EPS at $1.35 to $1.57. Looks like it's wow, getting wide. hit hard, of course, because of that guidance missing the estimates. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, Texas Instruments guiding down in the revenue, especially. They don't like to see that at all. And obviously the sales miss too, not good here. Stock is attractively valued. I mean, if you're looking in the chip sector here, Um, dividend 3.77%. You don't get a lot of 3.77% dividends in the tech sector here. Um, It's coming off. It's off 6%. It's a big move for TXN because it does have a lower beta than some of these other names. The issue I'm gonna have is it's making not a new fifty-two week low. It's making a new three year low. So and if you look at the longer term chart, you're like, oh my gosh, this is a serious breakdown in the chart here now. Do breakdowns fail? Sometimes, but again, bear is in complete control. I'm not gonna be a hero and say, you know, this is gonna bounce right back.
0: Boy, look at this thing since uh since the end of July. I mean 190 yeah. in the street just pounding this thing, street leading the right way into this one. I mean, maybe yeah. not in Google, but holy macro trading at the lows of the pre-market session. Uh, I'll give you a number and one number only, as Dennis likes it. September of 2020, you had a low at 134.12 or yep, 134.12. So when I give you those levels, you know, it's already down three bucks, you know. It's not just a good number for today. Maybe it reaches that today, but uh, man, going back to September 2020 levels, I guess people just aren't using their calculators anymore. I mean, unbelievable move. Why would you Texas need
1: a calculator, calculator, Joel? You got AI.
2: AI taking them out. Don't need any more Texas Instruments unless Texas Instrument comes out. They still make GXN those Texas Instruments AI AI calculators. Yeah, they do. They do. Still make
1: those. Come on, man. Algebra, for algebra, you need that thing, man. I still remember using it for algebra, oh, yeah. making the graphs and stuff. Oh, yeah. They, they have the best calculators, that's for sure. I, I I think we all know that. But, like I'm saying, I mean, there's there's other things probably coming for their lunch, like AI things, right? I mean, if there's you can pull out things. your phone and text instruments and do the same thing.
2: Businesses. Like, we're, we're joking, as a bit, you know, calculators no, but I don't that's, think are their main business. Interesting. Anymore here.
1: I, I mean, there, there's a lot of you got to look inside see what is going on here because it definitely is taking a big hit. Um, and it doesn't, doesn't show me that, uh, something in the business here is looking good. It shows me that in and, and the chat, said it here. They're not expected
0: to grow for two to three years. Yeah. And, you know, and things you like know that. Also, I mean, the, if I, if I was long the stock, uh, you know what I just, I think you gotta be concerned about that dividend. <laughs> I mean, they gotta do something. I mean, well, the data is the...
2: pretty small relative, so yeah, I'm not okay. totally concerned about the dividend. What I'm more okay. concerned about, it's not like it's a 7 or 8% yielder. I don't think there's any concern with Texas Instruments dividend. I no. think you're just seeing growth slow. Like, this is a semiconductor. I think it's showing that, you know, not it's not all NVIDIA. I mean, NVIDIA is maybe eating everybody's lunch to a certain extent, but, you know, everybody thinks about that. But, I mean, Texas Instruments it's not all just AI stories across the board in every semiconductor here. So I think that's what we need to, you know, when we're looking at Texas instruments, we can't just say, yeah, semiconductors are all hot. It's not the case. There's a lot of different semiconductor stocks and Texas instruments maybe doesn't benefit as much as a lot of others do. Although probably if, I bet you if I just go to their website, just curious if they put AI right on the front one of the time about robotic (laughs) systems, I was just curious if it's like sprayed all over it. The chips is right on the front. Robotic system. So they're talking about autonomous stuff here. It's right on the front page. So uh yeah, also
0: a good to. point here from Spill who says that uh they're uh in the auto sector. Uh so hmm, you know, it could be uh that could be weighing it. He says I don't know. Oh, they that got that. per chips. Yeah. I uh, didn't know that either. Yeah, so, so that, that's
2: uh, and and again, you know what I think of the automotives. If you've talked and listened to this show even for a week, you know what I think about the automotive industry. And I think we're going to have a really tough 2024 for auto.
0: Well, so, yeah, tough yeah. day, tough day for uh, GM yesterday. I mean, they tried to take it green, but I mean, when you're not <laughs> when you're not making cars, it's kind of it's kind of hard to make money. And uh Ford just hanging out near the low of the moves. Delantis. Uh, that's held up okay I don't know why that popped up for some yeah reason, I, I, I ignore that move so, now yeah. it's
1: it's illogical for it to stay up here like its they're has, gonna get but... a
2: deal eventually they're gonna get a deal the stocks are gonna pop on the deal and I think it's gonna be a fabulous selling opportunity so I'm waiting for the deal I think it's gonna come here eventually to actually maybe initiate a short on these stocks
1: okay All right, let's move on to an area that you guys know how I feel if you guys caught my video yesterday. Let's go to Visa Financial Services. Uh, I've been calling the head and shoulders on Visa and MasterCard. This doesn't look good. It's starting to break through the neckline, the 230 area. Let's give their numbers here. Adjusted EPS of $2.33 beats the $2.24 set estimate. Sales of $8.61 billion beat the $8.55 billion estimate. The Q4 payment volume was up 9% year over year. Process transactions up 10%. They raised their dividend by 15.6% to $0.52 and announced a $25 billion buyback. Wow. Um, They're trying their best to keep investors in here, but I I think maybe somebody knows something because that is an ugly looking head and shoulders here. They're they're
2: printing money still. These companies just print money. I mean, I had MasterCard. It was probably my best long-term investment ever. You know, I've told the story before my average cost basis was $11 and I sold it a year and a half ago. Well over $300 for the simple reason that I just didn't like it at 30 times earnings. I mean, I was selling everything that was 30 times earnings. It's still trading. Currently, 36 times earnings the MasterCard. I think the Visa the multiple is less. Buybacks help. That try, you know, Obviously, mm-hmm. the, when the amount of shares go down, even if your earnings stay stagnant, the EPS goes up when the amount of shares go down. So buybacks do help. And they are printing money. And these are fabulous companies. I just think consumers going to start getting hit and purchase less stuff in the future like in 2024 and that's why visa mastercard they're not recession proof so are these going bankrupt hell no these are not banks these are not any concerns here at, at all they get rid of most of that risk and they're just transaction processors which is a fabulous business to be in so love the businesses love the stocks don't love the environment that they're going into i actually would have maybe visa on my shopping list if we go into a serious recession in 2024 Maybe you get this thing down at the 171 80 mark again, if that happens, a lot of ifs. But I'd have it on my shopping list, but my price would be a lot lower.
0: I, I would think it would have been hold to hold this one into the report after you saw the reaction to American Express. I mean, they are different companies, but still in the same space. Uh, going back to Visa here, you have a clear area of support uh, underneath here. It hit it three times, so who knows about the fourth time. That comes in right at the $228 area. We didn't quite get there in the pre-market, but uh, fill a little gap. And a couple low, one low in uh, July, two low, one low in September, one low in October. You know, there's no such thing as a quadruple bottom. So we'll see what happens at that level today. uh, Street. Leading, uh, it was kind of mixed. That AXP kind of had people nervous. Uh, s and P's here, uh, kind of shrugging off the uh, overall negativity here. I think that uh, down eight handles here at forty two sixty three and a quarter. I think not, not too bad, um, old things considered. Here we're seeing some s- uh, stocks trading in the red. Of course, the Microsoft is helping things out, and Google seems to be trying to steady here at uh, the one thirty two dollar area. So again,
2: remember uh, one thing and people are saying, what about DFS? What about American Express? Discover and American Express are much different companies than Visa and MasterCard because they don't issue the cards direct. You know, like my MasterCard is like a BMO MasterCard. So where the risk is taken on is with BMO, not with MasterCard. MasterCard and Visa are processing the transactions. American Express and Discover are keeping those transactions on their own books. So they're different. So they have more risk. When the consumer, you know, gets you know tight, there's you know more credit risk to mass to uh discover and to American Express. So those two companies are much different than Visa and MasterCard. Just keep that in mind. Those four stocks are not all the same.
1: Now, uh, just a quick little technical lesson. And the only time I pay attention to head and shoulders is at the top of charts. That's the only times that it makes sense to trade that just like on the bottom side, it makes sense to trade kind of inverse head and shoulders, right? And so MasterCards, I mean, look how pretty this looks. It's as pretty as it gets for a head and shoulders, man, it looks bad. <laughs> that looks ugly. And I, then I sold thing my is...
2: MasterCard though, it was like 50 points ago, so I'm pretty disappointed. Actually, I think it was 350, so it wasn't for, so it's 36 points ago. It was a bad sale. I mean, yeah. I shouldn't have sold, I should have kept holding, I guess. So it's higher than there was now. So I'm still concerned that there's you know tougher times ahead, but you know, I that shirt don't look pretty to me at all. But I've been bearish MasterCard for a while, so and it's been I've been wrong.
1: And the number one thing is when you go break that neckline, do you use it as uh, resistance? And you can clearly see around that 388 level, it's starting to use it as resistance. So that tells me even more that shorts probably shorted the bounce right there. So I'll be looking to see if MasterCard can break the next level through the 380s on the downside today. Let's keep moving to Boeing Q3 EPS here at a loss of $3.26 misses the loss of $2.96 estimate revenues of 18.1 billion beat the 18.014 billion estimate. Boeing still expects to deliver 70 to 80 787s in Q3 and sees 375 to 400 337 airplane deliveries overall. Um, Boeing reaffirmed guidance here with 4.5 billion to 6.5 billion of operating cash flows and sees 3 billion to 5 billion non-GAAP free cash flow.
2: Seller exhaustion here, probably <laughs> more than anything. I mean, we went from 240 to 180 in less than in just about two and a half two months. months. Yeah, in two months. We just lost you know 25 percent of its market value. I think it's you know not a great quarter at all. I think they talked about the 737 and I think the max, you know, commentary here helped to a certain extent as well. Um, Up six, it just feels like you get to that 190. It feels like we got overhead supply, but the stock's massively oversold along with a lot of other stocks. I mean, as much as I'm talking bearish overall, I also talked when I believe it was Miesch yesterday. There's a possibility that some of these stocks... Are actually already fully priced in a recession. I don't know if Boeing's one of them, but some Boeing's tough. Just
0: there, there's other things going nerder. on with Boeing. You know, uh, I mean, first of all, you know, I'm sure the the phone's not ringing off the hook from Delta or American Airlines or any of these other, you know, LUV. I mean, that thing continues to go down. So airlines that's are just yeah.
2: every day they yeah, go down every man. day. There's no yeah. relief. I mean, what is the airlines telling us? I mean, there's a bigger conversation here. And and instead of just worrying about Boeing, money, Mitch, like, what are the airlines trying to tell us here? I mean, we went from Delta saying it couldn't be any better three months ago, three months ago, saying this is just amazing. You know, like we're going to hit all our numbers. We're firing on all cylinders. He was saying everything on that CNBC interview. And the stock gave all of its r- run back from April and is now trying to break down to new lows. And full disclosure, I do have some of these banks. I, I, uh, I, I have a couple of Paris have a couple of pairs trades on with Delta and LUV. So I'm just day trades. So I'm yeah, hitch. it's incredible.
1: Look but at these Jet are Blue. incredible sell offs. Look at oh, JetBlue. You're down to 2008 pricing. Oh, 2008. We're not talking 2020. We're talking 2008 for JetBlue. We can say,
2: oh, yeah, the rise in oil prices is what did it here. But, I mean, oil has stopped going up now, but the airlines are still going Going down. down. So there's something else happening here. And you know what I think it is. I think it's global recession coming in 2024, getting priced in ahead of time. Because, you, you know what, you don't buy a new car when you're getting tight for cash and you take less trips going forward and I think the consumer is going to run out of cash in 2024, and I think the market is getting
0: ahead of it. Uh, With Boeing, just back to the technicals on that, I like the $190 area, as Dennis mentioned, uh, because you had a a, a gap down day, and you had a low at uh, $189.96, and then you revisited that area with a high right at $190.00, so it's tough when a stock has been pounded like this. You know, you can you can give resistance, but if it clears 190, you're shorting at 190, where do you go? Where do you go with this thing because there's nothing between one really not much. One high at 195 and then the other high at 200. So uh, important level there. If you happen to pick a bottom in the last two days, you're getting a little profit. Make sure you get a uh, file through through 190 on the upside for Boeing.
1: We'll see what happens there, man. It's ugly looking charts out there. Let's get to an interesting cool. one here. Uh, let's go to Thermo Fisher. Um, in Q3, adjusted EPS, $5.69 beats the $5.61 estimate. Sales of $10.57 billion missed the $10.59 billion estimate. They did lower their fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS guidance from 22.28 to 22.72 uh, and now have brought it to 21.50. The estimate was 22.32. Uh, lowering their, also their fiscal year sales guidance from forty-three point four and forty four billion now to forty-four, uh forty-two point seven billion versus a forty-three point six one billion estimate. Thermo Fisher, um, overall this space has been seeing a lot of downside action lately, especially healthcare overall. Debt, it's
2: rates, right, it's rates. I got twenty-nine billion in debt. They operate on a lot of financing and a lot of debt. And that's this rates again, and, and you know, the good news is the TLT, you know, has bounced a little bit. We had the Ackman bounce. I am going to credit the bond traders. Absolutely hate it when I say it, but this was the Ackman bounce. It bought them <laughs> in the same five minutes. It did. Yeah. We Put a circle on it. It was the Ackman bounce, and the Ackman bounce is still holding. We're backing and filling here a little bit, but so far, so good. That gives hope to some of these trades, because long-term rates have got to stop going up meaning the TLT has got to stop going down. And you know what? It's good. We've got a little bounce here. You hope you don't start making new lows on it again. Uh, But, you know, all of these trades, you know, it's something in common here. Why Boeing has been hit and Thermo Fisher. I mean, all these companies have a lot of debt. And we've talked on this show in the last month separating and saying, hey, look, you know, the companies with a lot of debt are the ones that are getting hit the hardest. And it makes complete sense. For the first time in, I feel like, years, this market is trading logical. (laughs) Like, it's trading like it should. Companies with a lot of debt when rates are going up, they're punishing them. Companies holding up, well, like Microsoft, with very little debt, not affected by rates nearly as much. They have a lot of products that are not inelastic, but a lot more inelastic than, you know, cars and airplane trips. I mean, it kind of makes sense that the Magnificent Seven has held up fairly well, yet, you know, all these other stocks are just getting crushed.
0: Thermo Fisher is just a, I mean, support down at 85 no one's made a trade in it yet so i'm not sure we covered it but um there it is there's no Sorry, you got the wrong on.
2: stock up there joel that's thor thermo fisher's thor- tmo tmo, TMO. Oh, yeah TMO. tmo thermo fisher tmo oh yeah i didn't on. notice the stock yeah up there. yeah yeah thor industries saying? probably looks the same though because that's one of <laughs> well, yeah the charts look all the all same anyways because it got a lot of debt so T H O and tmo are the same i think rate. Oh.
1: an important chart to take a look at <laughs> here is debt. the xlv guys take a look Look how it's just barely hanging on to a very long sideways consolidation here and if it breaks through those lows it's not going to look pretty so uh, this has been what how long has this been in sideways consolidation about what now 2.2 years, years? two years 2.2 years gone yeah. pretty much nowhere now doesn't look pretty there especially the monthly
0: look at the bottom right chart yeah just long consolidation i mean trading range xlv there just uh but you're right it's uh sitting on some monthly support we all know when things hang out in months monthly support too long they can't get away from it mm. pressure on it that's for sure
1: all right let's move towards snapchat Adjusted EPS 2 cents beats the loss of 4 cents estimate. Sales of 1.19 billion beat the 1.11 billion estimate. Snap's Q3 daily active users increased 12% year over year to 406 million. Snap announced a 500 million buyback program. Man, it just seems like every company chooses buybacks over just kind of increasing dividends or. Giving it back to shareholders. Wow, well,
2: they're trying to grow the EPS. I, I
1: really hate these buybacks, man. I'm sick of these buybacks, man. I just think it's just a a financial engineering trick to try to make the stock look better. But I, I would
0: much oh, rather the shareholders. How the heck
2: it's, it it's the financial engineering to box. get the EPS up, Mitch. So you're absolutely oh, correct. Yeah. what algo Joel there's another point here too what (laughs) algorithm is running like on these what are these news algorithms is there just a play like I've been saying fade everything and I had a pretty good night last night just flat out fading everything I'm like moves were happening and there was just stupidity it felt like everywhere like it felt like everywhere and this snap may have been nothing may have been dumber than this snap to go up, you know, because they beat by, because they made two cents. You're taking the stock up 20% on that. I mean, yeah, maybe it's beaten up and maybe there's a short squeeze or something. I don't know what the short interest is on this, but sure. holy cow. The news algo that just bought that up at 1050, dollars 11 $12. Just burning cash. I mean, I feel like
0: these news algos are really dumb. I mean, it. I am just flabbergasted. I mean, it, that that what's the what's just to give you a perspective on this, okay? So far for the month it's had a range of a buck and a half. The month, the entire
2: the month. month. What was the expected yeah. move oh my on snap? Let's go along. I'm just curious. Expected move i guarantee you it wasn't two dollars i use option ai for that move. um so again the way man. we do this take you through the exercise so those the listing go to the options chain go to the weekly options so we can grab them october 27 look at the calls and the puts and oh my gosh what the hell are people doing the expected move joel you're not going to believe this it was a buck 80. you're kidding me we just got to start writing options there's reasons that, you know, obviously a lot of our best traders we bring <laughs> on this show are options traders here. Um, CC, obviously, we bring on all the time. Who the hell is a dollar eighty? I mean, the 10, the the, the 950 puts were 80 cents, and the 950 calls were a buck. A dollar eighty was the expected move on this. Just burning money option buyers. It's up 16 cents. The market makers could not be doing better on this one. These expected moves—that's insanity. Crazy. I wish I would have noticed that. I would have been so tempted to sell that straddle. What do you think? Somebody's going to come buy it out or something? An 18 percent more than that. It was a dollar eighty on nine fifty stock. It was a twenty percent expected move. So I guess the algorithm was just brought up to the twenty percent, but we saw how long that lasted. We know. We so, know what happened. So actually, the stupid money things. wasn't necessarily the algorithms. The stupid money was the people who were buying options on this thing.
0: <laughs> That's a uh, let here. Uh, 10 bucks is, I mean, it's been trying to get through 10. It's been the high recently. So, if the bulls want to run with them, you get a 10 bid, not a lot in the $10 handle. Uh, next daily high, 1029, and then over 1050. But first things first, you got to establish a 10 bid, and you know, now you're trading up 19 cents here. I look at a little bit, I mean. The chart looked okay going into it, like considering what the market's been doing, going from 8.50 to 10. So we'll see what happens. Closing price, 9.71.
2: To Paul's point in the chat, I mean, you could be dead wrong and you still make money selling the options. Like you're writing, you know, like you're sitting here. Yeah, you know, I'm going to sit back here. I'm going to write some calls and and boom. You know, it's like, oh man, this is a bad report. And you see it going up and it comes right back in. Wow.
1: I need to I'm in the wrong business, man. I just need to start selling options. What do you guys think about the Pinterest ascending triangle now? Um that's set up there. Cause of course Pinterest will trade with Snap and they didn't really move, but it's been it's hanging stuck. out here. It's
0: stuck in the mud. Stuck. Elliot it's Elliot yeah. has it stuck.
1: Yep. And it's not going
2: up. It's not going down. They're waiting for whatever activist action for two years. I feel like it's been going on. Maybe I'm dating that wrong, but Elliot's been in there a long time. It's stuck in the mud. I think eventually it's going down just because it seems like everything eventually goes down if you wait long enough. Yes, that's the what a bear market is all about, but Elliot's in there and Elliot's holding it up.
1: Let's move towards T Mobile. And this is one of the charts that has surprised me the most. I was talking about this yesterday on Start Swing Trade. Probably one of the best investing stocks in the last ten years. Yeah, it Q3 is. Q3 23 EPS a dollar 82 beats the dollar 74 estimate. Revenues of 19.252 billion missed the 19.32 billion estimate. Fiscal year 23 postpaid net customer additions at 5.7 to 5.9 million versus a 5.6 to 5.9 million prior. Ah, uh, they do see fiscal year 23 merger synergies of 7.5 billion.
2: Pretty good report. Pretty good numbers. They just keep P killing. Ford, it. You look at the PE current. It's say 28 times, but I don't know if there's something. The forward expected PE is only 13. Um, just extrapolating a dollar to you know, you can do a quick math, seven bucks. So it seems a little higher than that. It seems like it's almost to 20 if you're extrapolating, but maybe this quarter, you know, isn't as good as some of the other quarters. So um it's it's they've eaten at&t and verizon's lunch there's just no doubt so yeah. t-mobile has been the best of breed here for a long time here now um at&t and verizon have all kinds of different issues yes verizon got the nice pop yesterday but that verizon pop, pop is just holy max seller, macro. seller like, a, exhaustion yeah. joel i mean the uh, stock has been an absolute dog so seller exhaustion pop on verizon
0: uh this stopper should for now. We'll see if it can get back up here. Uh, the trading range here since May has been uh, top of the range has been like 144 and change. It hit that in the pre-market back under. Let's see what it does in the regular session. Support down at the top of yesterday's range at 141.31.
1: Let's take a just a peek at Hess and Chevron's action from yesterday, of course. Uh, and then Hess reporting today adjusted EPS at a dollar sixty four, beat the dollar seventeen estimate. Sales of two point eight four billion beat the two point three seven billion estimate. What'd you guys see on the action? Uh it's been earnings,
2: which is it's a good point to make though here. Um obviously when a stock gets taken over, that's it. So it's been taken over. It's going to move with Chevron here now. So the earnings, which absolutely blew it away, if they weren't getting taken over, the stock would be up on it. But um, obviously, it, all that matters now is Chevron's action. Chevron going down. Hess is going to go down. Uh, what's the? Do you have the ratio, Mitch? Do you remember what the ratio was? I never did write it down, but we should know those ratios.
1: Uh, I don't have the ratio right yeah, now. Yeah, so I threw you under the bus for that. No, no but worries. Uh, anyways, I'm we'll hunt down the ratio right here, here once
2: again. That's how you trade Hess It's just off
0: Chevron. And uh, what about when uh, when I talked about the Chevron here, and I talked about the deal, and I'm like, why are these? Why are they doing this deal? They must not be forecasting good things, you know, for the company. And look at that thing, what it did did since that. There, there's been no mercy. Now, the ExxonMobil, they did their deal, they went to support, they caught a nice bounce. Of course, that coincided with the, uh, uh, you know, with uh, the tensions in the Middle East here, but. You've got to be thinking here somewhere, trying to find a bottom in this thing, at least get some kind of relief pop, unless they just hate this deal so much. A uh, couple lows are coming in at the $156 area, trading up 45 cents here. Uh, yesterday's low was in this area. So uh, Chevron Bulls, uh, 156 pretty big level here. Keep an eye on. All right. In a second, we'll go to our guest. Looks like we're having a couple of camera
1: issues there. Oh, so sure. we'll figure that out. Um, let's go Hilton. Q3 adjusted EPS, $1.67 in line with $1. sixty-seven estimate. Total revenues of $2.673 billion beat the $2.62 billion estimate. They do see Q4 adjusted EPS at $1.51 to $1.56 versus the $1.56 estimate and sees fiscal year adjusted EPS to six oh four. dollars and 609 on the high end versus a 607 estimate here. Wow.
2: I cannot believe these stocks have held up this well. You have the airlines in shambles, and you know, all of a sudden we just continue to think that everybody's going to go to hotels like they were before. I honestly, if I was Long Hilton, I would sell it. I can't believe the stock hasn't been hit
0: really at all. 154, you got a pop too. Unbelievable. That, that's crazy. I, I would, sell, I would yeah, sell it. Three all. days ago, it was at this level. Um. Boom. Uh. Now there's the monthlies. I would this 146 is just kind of sticking out to me. I know it's down a buck 15, so it's not near that level. Four thousand shares have traded, but you lose. I keep at on 146. I just don't like the real estate here between 146 and really 136. Went up very quickly through that area. So uh the bulls. I'm uh, looking for resistance too. You're trading down after report. Uh, 149. 65 was your closing, uh, your closing print from yesterday. I'm sure some people would like to see the mark on Hilton. I haven't looked at Marriott in a while. Um, boom, 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 that's not far off its all time high. No, why? I I heard why the
1: forgiveness here, Money Mitch. Do you have a reason? Like, why? I mean, definitely probably best of breed, but uh, one thing that I would say about Marriott, I heard they really hit hard on their kind of rewards package. Um, a lot of the people that have their top rewards are saying that they're really, they essentially half their points. Um, so I think that's a negative in the long run. Um, of course, a lot of these companies like Marriott and uh, Hilton have really good rewards programs. And now it's seeming like a lot of people are dropping that off. But Marriott's been holding up here. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It, it has been holding up. It's best to breathe. Look at Hilton also held holding up though. I, I thought Love this was a broke strength. this trend line for a while now. I played it multiple times to that trend line. It still doesn't break. Love the relative strength,
2: but man, I would sell it anyways. Just, yeah. you know, so again, yeah. you're selling strength, which is never a good thing in this market. Like the MasterCard, Visa, Marriott, Hilton are all stocks that would get hit really hard in a recession. So some stocks are not pricing in a recession. These are definitely not pricing in a recession. So if you think you got a recession coming, I'd sell those stocks.
1: All right, guys, uh, let's get to Teladoc here. Teladoc Health Q3 oh adjusted. Is that still EPS. around? Yeah, it's still around, man. At a loss of 35 cents, beats the loss of 37 cents estimate, sales of 660.24 million, missed the 664.11 million estimate. They do see Q4 revenues at 658 million to and 83 million versus a 686.56 million estimate. And also see fiscal year 23 revenues at 2.6 billion to 2.625 billion versus a 2.63 billion estimate.
2: I've hated the stock forever. I'm going to continue to hate it all the way down to single digits, just my opinion.
0: Uh, Well, you could have said 18 was support yesterday. Now it's major resistance breaking down through there. Uh, All the lows, the stock was trying to be supported. Now those people are flushed. Uh, Pretty good volume on the sale too. So uh, who knows? If you want to. I will give you a potential. I don't know. Sixteen twenty-nine is where it got to. That was uh, a little bit of a, an overshoot here, right after the uh, right after the report came out. So that's your pre-market low. Uh, definitely resistance. Much easier to define in supporting this issue. That little weak little rally that we had in the S&Ps there snuffed out and uh, back down 15 handles despite Microsoft now uh, over 345. So Microsoft can't save the markets
2: Microsoft is doing so much lifting today without Microsoft this stock market would be down 40 handles right now so it's Microsoft holding up the market TLT down a dollar here now to spinners point thanks for keeping us up to date on that I mean obviously you know I know you know I have a partial position in TLT it's not been good and I mean I don't know Rates, this is going to hit stocks again here today because we get the Ackman bounce. Now they're going back a buck here. Everybody keeps watching rates and bonds get hit. Stocks get hit now. They're linked and that linkage will eventually break, but not until we start to see rates rise.
1: All right, let's or go ahead. Let's try. Tomorrow, All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and try to bring on our guest. We're having a little bit of camera issues, so we're going audio only. Let's see what our guest has for us today.
0: are joined by greg weldon he's the ceo of weldon financial and editor of uh newsletters weldon's weldon's money monitor commodity and currency monitor and precious metals greg how you doing today
3: what's up guys how you doing
0: good 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 sorry we didn't do the test on that but uh uh, you know (laughs) i like to bring i like to bring floor people on we'll save the floor story for the end here but uh a lot of concerns um, in these markets, and uh, let's just—I uh, don't know how to prioritize them. Uh, the big move in bonds that we've had, the yield curve, inflation—where you at on all these things?
3: Well, we're all over the place, and this is why we have so much stuff to talk about. It gives us, you know, a, a lot to uh, you know dissect through for sure. I think, you know, of course, the first focus is always the Fed. Uh, you could say that you know you have a chance to see a kind of a renewed push in inflation. And what I think is concerning to the bond market uh, and more so to the Fed themselves would be if you did have energy prices go up on this geopolitical situation, which seems to me to be very likely in the future, uh, that pushes the year-over-year rate because you have a base effect in energy right now, which would support higher inflation with any move higher in prices from here now on a month-to-month basis would feed through to the year-over-year rates. You see several food items which have had big declines. And are now bottoming and starting to have better fundamentals. Even uh, you have an El Nino too that's impacting crops around the world. So you have a lot going on that suggests the inflation risk does remain in the medium term to the upside. And let's say you got inflation back to five and a quarter. All right. Well, Ooh. you know that would be a big deal because oh. if you look at where the Fed was in the beginning of the year, you had deeply negative real rates. So the Fed wasn't even close to neutral, let alone restrictive, which is where they wanted to get. It's only as recently as May that they've actually had a restrictive real policy rate. And this is based on all the Fed papers they put out in 2018 around R-Star, which you probably heard about, which is defining neutral. And from there, you start to define how tight, how restrictive do we want to be? And the Fed had gotten to a point really only in May where they were restrictive. So everyone's saying, well, why hasn't the economy cracked yet? You have a lot, you know, mortgage market certainly has crashed. Why is the economy still resilient? Well, I would offer that it's only resilient because you're only five months into restrictive monetary policy conditions, and from that perspective, it's a 12-month lag. Then the Mm -hmm. Fed starts to talk about lag. So let's say we don't even have the worst of the economy yet, which I say is a given. The what if inflation goes back up to five and a quarter, which very well could happen. Oh my god! If that does happen, it eliminates the Fed's restrictive policy, and that's where you get the idea of a potential seven percent Fed funds rate. Now I don't think that's going to happen. I think market action and geopolitics are going to stand in the way of that, and I think that leads to another problem for the bond market, which would be if the Fed is seen acquiescing to higher inflation because of geopolitical or economic concerns, uh, the bonds wouldn't like that, let alone you have a budget situation that's completely out of control.
2: The latest numbers were mind-blowing. You're not making me less bearish here, Greg. (laughs) I come on and I'm like hoping that you're going to be, you know, talking me off the ledge here. Now I want to go to 100% cash on my long-term portfolio. Tell us a reason like why we, you know, tell us the other, you know, reasons why maybe, you know, are stocks or any stocks pricing any of this in? Because I look at like the IWM sitting near three-year lows. I mean, it looks to me like some stocks are pricing in a recession here it and and again we know if, when we look at the mega cap tech you know microsoft and Magnificent mm-hmm. seven yeah. have held the market up very well here but it's kind of like the tale of two markets here do you think eventually some of you know the small caps that price this in and maybe they can turn it around or is it more like the magnificent seven could maybe start to get hit
3: i think that the bulk of the market hasn't fully priced in what we're going to see down the road economically uh, I said way back in May, frankly, that you probably have a decline in inflation through the summer. You get it to 3%, and this causes a party. Maybe the stock market even goes to new highs, which it didn't, which is a sign unto itself of its inherent weakness. This is the most narrow rally you know, in through June, July. Then energy started to creep into the picture. All right? I think something significant has happened in the last week alone. Where we do a quantitative portfolio for our institutional clients, and it's a playbook we call it the portfolio playbook that we offer to uh, individuals as well. And just even as recently as a week ago, you know, we were looking at you know being in energy 33%, financial 17%, industrials 15%, infotech 22 You know, right now we're in you know basically energy half, all right, communications uh, which has been really hot too, about 40%, and the rest is gold and Bitcoin. So when you look at the quantitative side, and then you look at the technical side, where the S and P 500 is barely broken down. I mean, it's closer to new highs than it is even a longer-term breakdown pivot. Same with the Nasdaq below 14,600, which you took out briefly yesterday. That's a major breakdown where you have scope technically, quantitatively, and I think even fundamentally, at least in terms of the macro monetary picture, down to like you know 13,000, if not 11,000, in the Nasdaq. So I look at you know, the big tech has led the way. It's only now rolling over and starting to crack. The XLK just breaking down just now. Some things are broken down. Utilities, the real estate, certainly anything to do with the mortgage market has cracked. Uh, Staples have cracked, which is interesting. So now discretionary is following, healthcare is following, industrials are following. All the sectors are now rolling over, breaking down, Threatening long-term moving averages, and in a lot of cases, the uptrend goes all the way back to the pandemic low. If not in some cases, like utilities and staples, going back to the two thousand nine low. So I think this is a much bigger picture dynamic that we have coming at us. So you know, in the short term to medium term, for me, this is still about protection.
0: And how would you do it? You know, what what should the average investor do here at these levels? I mean, we've we've talked about you know cash. Cash mm-hmm. is a yep. position. Uh, you know, very attractive here with rates coming uh you know with inflation coming down your real rate of return uh, yep. has been much better but uh in uh, the new age investing portfolio <laughs> playbook is it just sit on hands here yeah. or is there anything else you?
3: no at? it's absolutely not sit on hands and that's part of the problem for the average investor and that's why we started the, the playbook is actually an old product we used to have before the crash in 2008. And we revamped it because we're trying to help people. And this is a case where you have to almost—you have to be more active. You have to be more nimble. You have to be in things you haven't been in before. Currencies, commodities, bonds. The ETFs are a treasure trove of potential places to hide, per, per se. But it's not about hiding. It's about still thriving. And trying to keep up with the pace of the basement of the purchasing power of all paper currencies, including the dollar, is going to become increasingly difficult. That's the bottom line for me. Because when you're talking about trillions in deficits, when you're talking about gross interest payments in the last fiscal year with $909 billion, and any year before 2010, that's the largest single annual deficit. And now it's how much we're paying just to carry this debt. All right, these numbers are astronomical. And the problem is it becomes a mathematical conundrum where you can't keep printing enough money to keep the growth rates where they need to be to service the debt. So you also have that long-term fundamental issue as well. So in terms of where do you go, you have to start with things like the dollar up ETF, or even you know for for risk capital you can be looking at the SQQQ or the uh, SH, which are the short bear equity funds uh, ETFs. I'm not big fans of them; they they could be a lot better than they are, and very rarely do I recommend them. But right now I think there's a lot of risk in the stock market. You can also do things like being in uh, gold. You can now they have a Bitcoin ETF. Uh, You can be in the energy space. You can buy uh, the uh, crude oil ETF. You can even buy the gasoline ETF. Natural gas is probably bottomed. It's had a huge run to the downside. You're having, you know, you got ample supply right now, but you're looking at, you know, a polarized weather situation where you could have cold weather anywhere and there's no margin for error in a lot of these commodities. So some of the commodities ETFs, certainly gold has been a place too. So there are places and that's why we offer a discretionary portfolio that is a complement to our sector breakdowns. And then we do the individual stocks too but right now i got to tell you there's not a lot of stocks out there that are trending bullishly
1: i love how you put it there from sector to stocks is what i always look at um now one thing that i've been pointing to and i just did a recent video on it it was regional bank action and commercial real estate um what are you seeing in this situation of course i've been pointing out how these banks just have extreme exposure Uh, stems from 2008 and i think that you know they just switched on right they went from residential to the commercial space because they had the ability to do so and regulation wasn't as tight do you see the same issues greg
3: yeah and there was demand certainly through the pandemic a lot of warehousing and that kind of you know industrial uh, commercial real estate was hot as well you know i think that that sector's kind of blown out of the water already um but you know the degree to which, when you look at these these various sectors, you know, yeah, I mean the the, the XLRE, the you know the real estate just broke down just now. I mean, so a lot of the, even the even the interest sensitive stuff is still kind of catching up, because again, I think we've only been in restricted monetary policy for not very long. Um, but you know, I still think that there's value in a lot of these you know other places where you're going to have to be involved in bond ETFs. You know, the SHY, if you get. A situation look at the yield curve now. Okay. We talked about the yield curve uninverting and actually starting to steepen a couple months ago, and now it's happening. Why? Because the Fed would be facing this conundrum where you know you look at the economy. When do you shift from we're fighting inflation to we're protecting the economy? We haven't gotten there yet because the economy is not that bad. The economy is not that bad because monetary policy hasn't really applied the vice grip pressure that it's going to at some point in time if the Fed stays the course. So I think that you know. I look at this and I just see very few stocks. I'll give you an example. So we break it down by every stock in the S&P 500. I'll give you my sector right now. And we do bullish trends and bearish trends. And our rankings are based on the strength of those trends, not the performance, right? So in healthcare, nine bullish stocks, 35 bearish stocks. This is out the S&P 500. Industrial, six bullish, 41 bearish. Oh, wow. Infotech, 10 bullish, 40 bearish. Let me tell you, these are big reversals from two weeks ago. Uh, real estate, two bullish, 14 bearish. Consumer discretionary, four bullish, 36 bearish. How about energy? 11 bullish, only one that is trending bearishly. So it's high time for commodities, which is interesting because the dollar is appreciating. And you have a situation, you know, we get so U.S. centric here, right? That we, the U.S. stock market is the be all and end all of everything. And when you look at what's going on in Asia, take a place like Singapore, 100% of their revenue, uh, low domestic income, GDP comes from exports. Their exports are down year over year, 12 months in a row. All right? Take a place like Indonesia. Six out of the last seven months, double-digit declines in their exports. All right? Now, in Indonesia, inflation has fallen from 8% to 2%. It's only 2%, which is the lower end of the Indonesian central bank's uh, target range, right? What they do this week? They raised their interest rate to 6%. So now they have a punitively restrictive real policy rate. And why did they do that? Understanding the economy's kind of crashing. They did it to protect the currency because the currency is declining against the dollar. And they're worried about imported inflation when maybe the narrative shifts to we let the currency go to help exports and to help the economy. And so I think that places like that are interesting to watch. They're going to give you a tell and a lead time on things that are going to happen in other countries. Potentially, even the US eventually, because you know, eventually the dollar is going to have to come into play as a monetary tool on the other side.
0: All right. I'm going to come out from under my desk here and uh, wrap up <laughs> this interview here with Greg Weldon, the CEO of uh, a lot of positive well,
3: opportunities out there.
0: All the financial <laughs> man. This guy, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, no, we're going to get you back on again soon. I didn't get a chance to get to any floor stories. We're going to do that next time, Greg. Yep. Thanks yep. a lot. Uh, yep. Doing a lot of hard work. We appreciate your input here on Pre-Market Prep. We'll dial you up again real soon.
3: Sure. My pleasure, guys. Thanks.
1: All I got to say is he said that all guys with a smile on his face. Do you see that? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's incredible sometimes, man. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Let's get back to the markets. That, 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 not
2: make, that was not comforting. There was Dennis, nothing more you... that made me less bearish. So, Dennis
1: literally hid under his desk. I saw Dennis, no, I was
2: literally, I couldn't even interview <laughs> on the back half of that because I was too busy selling stocks. <laughs> 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 it's a joke, but holy man. Oh, That's... man. That's oh, where we're at, though. I think he's Woo! right. There's Big a lot bad of things wolf, to worry man. about here and a lot of reasons not come to pow. be buying dips.
1: Um, and and it's, it's a tough environment out there. I mean, where's the positive come in, right? I think we're all expecting the pause now in November. But from there, we'll all be on a wait and see of when the hell do we get a pivot and how tough will the environment have to get for the Fed to switch from inflation-focused to the economy focused, right? Where where they're like, well, we got to come in here and step in, even though if inflation doesn't get to two percent, because that's what their focus is right now.
2: Uh, right. I I don't know. Like, there's there's so many different things to worry about here, and you know, some of it, you know, maybe priced in the bonds are pricing in major issues here. They're pr- pricing in obviously rates for a long time. Higher rates for a long time is what they're pricing in here. So I don't think like we can even keep thinking about pivot. I'll tell you, the only reason we're going to get a serious Fed pivot is if we do go into a serious recession in 2024. And then there's the real risk. And we haven't posed this question. I mean, there's the real risk that the Fed might not be able to pull us out of the tailspin instantaneously here. You know, they've lost the long end. So even if they start lowering rates. It's like, can they pull us out of the tailspin if we go into a serious recession? Because these rates it's come to roost here like it's coming like these people you know a lot of people are, are now struggling to probably find the cash to make their ends meet and i mean rates is hurting like i had some other friends talking over and saying why is the bank of canada continuing to raise rates here you know how you know like one one friend lost their job but i mean it's just it's just not as good as it was Six months ago. So there is the argument. I believe they should stop raising rates now. I truly believe that. They should stop right now. There's no reason to pivot at this point in time. But worrying about getting us down to the 2% inflation, the the risk now is that you've done too much damage from higher rates, that it's going to take a while to undo some of this damage. And it's coming. The, The stocks are telling you. Like, it's what, you know, to Greg's point, making so many good points there. Take your Magnificent Seven blinders off here. We've been annihilated in a lot of stocks. I mean, some stocks just go down every day. Airlines down 40% last quarter. Um, You know, stocks that, you know, were very, you know, much, you know, loved, like, by the street. Like, you know, even the casino stocks, looking at those here. Win Resorts is now 20% off of the highs here. MGM now, $50 is now $36. Penn I mean, never coming back. <laughs> there, there's some serious selling here going on. C- Caesars was 60 down to 40 I mean, there's so much carnage in a lot of different areas here that we don't even talk about every day. So part of me thinks, you know, like if we don't go into recession, we should probably be buying stocks right now because some of them are pricing in a recession.
0: Did bring on someone made a good point that that's Ryan Dietrich's evil twin. I think. Uh, I think <laughs>
2: <else>. <laughs> Ryan Dietrich did not love that interview. Uh, no, I, he was. Not I hope he didn't
0: see it because he might not want to come on our show anymore. But uh, we love anyways, Ryan Dietrich,
2: and you know what? Ryan does a lot of good things here. Hey, you got to be on and Ryan's show. Been, both Ryan's right, sides the been, right Ryan so been right a long time, and Ryan is still bullish here. So we've got when when Ryan right throws the towel, then I'm really going to start getting scared. After
0: that, I mean,
2: because Ryan is he. Ryan's been bullish a long time and he's been right. I mean, he's been obviously, you know, right in the last nine months or six months, the first half of this year. So oh I don't Lovely. know. Yeah, okay. he's been uh, since season. I'm out gonna wrap year,
0: things so. up here. Uh today we uh we had a little rally, we gave it back. We're ten bucks off the uh pre-market low. Um, I think there's a number in here, folks, that uh the below that yesterday's low. I mean, you had a higher low from yesterday. Uh, I think the Bulls really have to defend that low from today. We'll see if it happens. It's going to need more help uh, than Microsoft. Uh, But uh, the earnings parade will continue. And uh, we'll bring on Mr. Chaykin tomorrow to see what his perspectives are on the market. So fun show, you guys. I got a a, a new guest that uh, definitely uh, has given us some good insight into the market. So uh, back with you guys later on.
1: All right, Joel. Like always, it's great to have you. Of course, you guys can keep up with Joel at spoose and Dennis Dick Triple D Trader. You ready to get after it, man? Yeah, just trading cautiously,
2: fading lots of moves here. I mean, we can go on full bearish here, but you know, let's give some perspective quickly. IWM, we're at major support in the IWM. If there was a ba- area to bounce, we're back near the October lows here right now. This one sixty two to one sixty five area is major support. So draw a hard line. Remember Disney. You know, with mm. Disney, you know, like, and, you know, saying a lot of things not going right there and still not going right, but it's held that 80 support. It's not going to be easy sledding for the bears as much as we've had a pretty bearish show here and we've been bearish for a while. It's not easy sledding for the bears here in the next week or two, I don't think. So I don't know if I'm coming in necessarily. I'm just saying sell it all. We're going to zero. I think we continue to chop around here for a while. I think the real pain is going to come in 2024. I'm with you, money, Mitch. And Mm -hmm. I don't think, I think we're oversold on a lot of stocks. I'm hoping for a healthy bounce maybe out of here to actually lighten up stocks into 2024. So I'm hoping for better times in the short term here. I'd actually look, you know, at opportunities at stocks on support here. As with my trading hat on, I kind of like the IWM support level here at 162 to
1: 165. Yeah, we never really got out of this kind of bearish situation. You can say like a descending triangle, ascending triangle. We never really got out of that. We got to the 200 resistance and then just turned right back around. So let's see if we turn back around on the off the support, Dennis. You're always looking for the turns. Let's see if we get a turn, right? And like always, he's not saying that it is happening, but maybe look out for it, right? And I think that that's more important than actually seeing it, right? Let's So let's see what happens today to see if we can stay in a little bit of a bouncing tune because lately it seems like we are getting a little bit of an up move can the spy close green today that'd be impressive right
2: there's a lot of good things like the microsoft report is great news microsoft up 15 points is great news can this market take its blinders off and not look at google for a minute and maybe look at microsoft here i mean i'm very surprised the reason that s p has rolled over here though is the tlt there's no doubt. We were we were this morning. Last night, we were flat on the TLT. We've rolled over here. So it's taken the IWM with it now. And the IWM doesn't give a crap about Microsoft because it's not in there. So that is the real carnage here today. S&Ps are trying to hold up. Google's not going down. Google's been holding up okay. Microsoft is lifting. I mean, Microsoft's going up more. It's up 16 here now. So it's definitely rates the issue here. Once again, we need the TLT to stabilize. And then this market can try to think about rallying.
1: All right, guys. If you guys haven't checked out my video, throwing it up one more time so you guys can check out. Of course, the video on the regional banks. Always good to have you, Dennis. We'll see you back tomorrow, my friend. All right, like always, you guys can stick right here to get to some more action. Of course, we got live trading coming up next, so don't go anywhere, team. And let me know what you guys thought of that video, right? Come over to live trading. Maybe we'll talk about it. We'll expand on it. And if you guys haven't checked it out, of course, there's the link. Hit that, and then come over to live trading. It's only. 13 minutes long. So tell me what you guys think. I got a lot of great feedback, tons of comments. So if you guys didn't see it, go ahead and check it out. See you next time right here, of course, on pre-market prep.